more grace, and thank you for listening to the Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Here's today's message. Of this series that the Spirit of God is challenging us about. We're in mind control and we're in part three. And let's get ready to go to Ephesians chapter six. But on purpose, I'm taking my time on this message. Of course, I can rush through it and you can shout and scream. My niece, my niece reached out to me today and she said, Uncle, she said, uh, Uncle Prophet. I said, Yes, baby. She said, Can you do is there anybody here? Say, not today. Say, amen. 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 Not today. Not today. We got to get this word and we got to be taught because we can't keep leaving here the same way. Say amen to that. So I am very adamant about us making these changes because we got to get that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, the word of God declares in the New King James Version, therefore, Take up the whole armor of God and do me a favor since it's up here on the screen. I do want you to turn to it in your Bibles and make sure you take a picture of it so we can be a part of the challenge. But I want everybody. We're going to read verses 13 through 17, and I want all of us to read them together. Let's start from 13. What does it say? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which will you be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is... So this is our theme. This is our base scripture. This is what the spirit of God has been dealing with us about. And it is true that no matter how saved and sanctified you are, we all have a battle in our mind. Everybody in here have to deal with our thought life. And I want to say this to you, that we got to be real and recognize that so many people in the world are out of their minds. Amen. I know you take things for granted, but you need to thank God that you have a right mind. Anytime you go inside, even what we see happening over there in Israel and Hamas, how a man would go and just blow up a hospital. Nobody in their right mind would do that. Nobody Nobody in their right mind would kill their children and kill their mothers and kill their fathers and all of this hatred and insanity and all of these things that are going on. I'm telling you that there's a mind problem. But in verse 13, Paul says something very powerful. He says, put on the whole Whole armor. Somebody shout whole armor. armor. Right. Which means that some of you might take part of the armor. But he's saying, I don't just want you to put on a portion of the armor. I want you to put on the whole armor. And I also share with you that most of us in here are having challenges in our life and are going through the things that we are experiencing in our life. Not because you don't pray, not because you don't fast, not because you're not sincere. But the Bible declares that my people are destroyed for a lack of what? So Paul is using Roman symbolism, but he didn't stay true to it. And I showed that to you on last week, how that in one place he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. But in another place in 1 Thessalonians 5, I believe that was, he called it the breastplate of hope and love. And I said, which one is it? Is it the breastplate of hope and love or is it the breastplate of righteousness? And I showed you that I believe that the spirit of God was trying to show us that the emphasis is not so much on the Roman symbolism, but it's on what the Roman symbolism carries. So what I did was I read it to us without the Roman symbolism. And I said, therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, verse 14, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, I'm in 14, stand therefore, having truth, having righteousness, having the gospel of peace, taking faith to quench all the fiery darts, of the wicked one take salvation and take 
the word of God. And I read it to you without the Roman symbolism because I wanted you to understand that the armor you need to have on is the armor of truth. The armor of righteousness. The armor of the gospel of peace. The armor of faith. And the armor which is the word of God. And I told you that what I believe the armor is, somebody shout Bible knowledge. Bible knowledge. Yeah, I showed you that the armor that God wants you to put on is knowing your Bible. Which is very powerful to me because one point that I want to make is your knowledge of the word can stand between you and defeat. Write that down. My knowledge of the word. Come on, write this stuff down. Get this. I'm going to get in here and shout and don't know nothing. I want you to take notes so, so you can't stay ignorant. My knowledge of the word can stand between me and defeat. My knowledge of the word can stand between me and an out of control mind. And if you can't control your mind, you're going to have a problem. Because the same thing that you see happening to other folk is going to end up happening to you. And I know some of you don't believe that and you think it's just a joke. But I'm telling you, the person who did what they are doing was not always like that. Somewhere a battle came in their mind and they lost it. Lay hands on yourself and say, I will not lose my mind. Say it again. I will not lose my mind. Say it louder. I will not lose my mind. Say my children won't lose their mind. But you got to know the word of God. And listen to me. Most of us say we know the word, but we don't. And the way that I know you don't know it is your life says otherwise. I told you it's not knowing it here, but it's knowing it in your lifestyle. If you knew the word of God that says fret not thyself because of evil doers, why are you worried about folk messing with you? There's no way you know that scripture and frustrated because somebody mistreating you. Because I told you fret not because of evil doers. Neither be thy envious against the evil workers of iniquity, for they will soon be what? Now, that's what he said. The only thing got you frustrated is you don't know that. Only thing got you thinking, look at them. They think they're going to take advantage of me. I got to protect me. I got to look out for me. You don't know your Bible. Quiet church now. Because I have too many scriptures that tell me he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. I don't have nothing to worry about. Got too much Bible in me and the Bible in me puts me in a position that things are not able to torment me because I got too much word in me. So we went to Hosea chapter four and we went to Isaiah chapter five. And I'm telling you, I told you it's not enough just to know it here. But most of you say you know it, but you don't know it because you don't live it. And it makes no sense for you to know it and not live it, because according to the word of God, you're going to have to give an account for the knowledge, you know. In the end, when you stand before God, God's going to ask you, why did you respond that way knowing this? You know I told you, touch not. I'm quiet in here. You know I told you, speak evil of no man. Yet you did it anyway. 
So now you're held accountable. Why? Because you had knowledge. And therefore to him that to do good. So you're going to give account. You're going to give account for the knowledge that you know. And how in the world can I know the word of God tells me not to do something, not to behave a certain way, not to respond a certain way. And I say I know it, yet when I get in my feelings, I put the word aside. And the reason you do it is because you don't really know it. But the armor you need to wear, somebody shout Bible knowledge. So Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, he says, my people are destroyed. For what? Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you forgot the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now, I think that one thing we must take a uh, uh, look at is this is God's evaluation of his own people. This is not somebody on the outside making an evaluation. This is God looking at his children, saying that my children are in the place they're in, not because they're not sincere, not because they don't pray, not because they don't fast, not because they're not faithful, but the one thing that has them in the place they're in is their lack of knowledge. That's what God is saying. You are where you are. Every person in here, you want to blame the devil. You want to blame witchcraft. You want to blame hoodoo and voodoo. You want to blame generational curse. The only reason those things have power in your life because you don't have knowledge. If I had knowledge, I would know the devil can't do nothing to me. So I'm not worried. I, I, I know, according to the word of God, I will never be defeated. I don't care if I'm in the lowest place in my life. I know, according to that word, it can't end like this. Because all things work. I know that. Then he said in Isaiah, and, and I showed you that God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I showed you that that word destroyed is a combat term. It means that the battle was raged, but somebody lost. I came after you. I came with an attack and you lost it because you didn't have enough knowledge to defeat the enemy, which means knowledge can stand between me and destruction. You want a book. God say, sit down, get some knowledge. I want to go forth in the gift. I want to prophesy. I want the anointing. Amen. Lay hands on me. Show me how to flow. And the spirit of God is saying, your issue is you don't know nothing. Why am I tormented in my mind? Don't have no knowledge. Why don't have peace? Don't have knowledge. Why am I tormented at my job? Why is my flesh out of control? You don't need me to lay hands on you. You need knowledge. Say amen. Then Isaiah 5, 13. He said it again. He said, therefore, my people have gone into captivity because somebody worked some hoodoo on them. Because somebody put a hex on them. Pray for me, Prophet Khan. My money tied up. I got this principality on my bloodline, on my mama's side that's holding up my money. Sound good, but the only reason it's held up is because you ain't got no my people have gone into captivity because they have no, no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitude is dried up with thirst. You are experiencing poverty in your life because you don't have knowledge. 
Bible says as a result of you not having knowledge, you are captive. What do you mean, Prophet Carr? Captive. You're captive to drugs. You're captive to lying. You're captive to gossiping. You're captive to drinking. You, you, you trying to get loose and can't get free and think you can come up to the altar and somebody can lay hands on you and break off of you what you won't read off. Don't take prayer. It takes knowledge. So you're captive. You're in bondage in your life. Are you listening to me? All, it is, all the spirit of God is trying to show you that whatever you are fighting, it starts with your mind. I want to let you know, whatever you are dealing with, you didn't just get that way. The enemy planted a suggestion. Ain't no way in the world, in my right mind, I'm on, in my right mind, in the mind with knowledge. I'm going to walk up to Sister Yolanda and just not like her. That's not, that's not, something happened. A battle was raged and you lost. How you don't like somebody that you don't even know? But the suggestion came from somewhere. Somebody planted a thought. Somebody did. Somebody, somebody told you something. You saw something. And when you saw it, you didn't kill it. And the reason you didn't kill it is you didn't have enough knowledge. There were things that I do. I was telling somebody, somebody told me that the reason somebody didn't do something, I was trying to help somebody do something. I was trying to introduce somebody to somebody and, and um, they didn't want me to introduce them. And I honestly believe, I, I believe this, that they didn't want me to introduce them to this person because I'm not supposed to be done made it and know nobody. So the mere fact, so just say, I'm going to go somewhere. So the mere fact that I have uh, for me to introduce them to that person would mean they are validating that I'm somebody. Okay. But the spirit of God, and, and I believe that's why, but the spirit of God challenged me and said, you don't know that. Lord, come on, I got discernment. <laughs> I know what I discern. And see, that's your problem. That's it, you abuse discernment and say discernment is suspicion. Not all it ain't discernment. You suspicious. I know I'm preaching good. And I'm preaching good. And suspicion is rooted in fear. And if you look at one version of the Bible, it said perfect love casts out fear. But when you look at it in one version, it's a perfect love casts out suspicion. When you love someone perfectly, it releases you from suspicion. Look down your road and say, I got some growing to do. Right? So I said, Holy Ghost challenged me. He said, you don't know that. That, that person could have been busy. That person might have felt like they had some people with them and they didn't want to meet them and another person not meet them. I, I, I posture my thoughts to not receive suggestions that I can't prove. If I can't prove it, I have to throw it in the trash because the enemy is trying to start a battle. And if I yield to the suggestion, the enemy has won. Am I helping anybody? 
Right. So so it, it comes from somewhere. You you ain't got to think about it. Why? They, they, I want y'all to know something got to be wrong with people mind who gamble knowing they're going to lose. Man, y'all just got to hear me. Now, I, I'm not trying to make it deep. I ain't saying it's a sin. I'm saying, think about what I'm saying. You know you are not going to win. As a matter of fact, they, the, the, the house know you're going to lose so much that they give you money. Now, do you think they would give you money if they, they, you was going to win? They give you money to get you to come, and it ain't no money. It's a loan. Because guess what you're going to do? Give it right back to them. Are you listening to me? So, but guess what you do? Every time this lotto get real high. You know, I'm talking about when that 700, 800 billion... When they get about the billion, holy God, thank God for the new covenant. We under grace. Let me go ahead and try it this time. Lord, you let me win. I'm going to be a blessing to the church. I promise, Lord. I'm going to sow my tithes. Something got your mind to just lay with anybody. No dignity. Think about a woman who just gives of her body. Don't know who she's laying down with. A man. Don't know who you laying down with. Don't know what they got. What disease they got. Meeting up with folk you don't know. Could be a sadistic murderer. But something has your mind. And the only thing got you that way is a lack of. So I gave you two principles. I gave you two principles. Who remember what those two principles are? I'm going to see who remember who wrote them down. I gave you two principles. I put them on the screen after you say them. But. Huh? Thoughts precede actions. What's the next one? Come on. What is what I said? Can't hear you. I can't hear you. Can't hear you. Knowledge and its proper use does what? Wins battles. So it's not enough just to know it if you don't know how to apply it. And then I gave you another one. What was the other one? Ignorance and victory. Are impossible roommate. They don't shack well. It is impossible for you to be ignorant and victorious. Stay with me. So if it's impossible to be ignorant and victorious, it is also impossible to be knowledgeable and defeated. Because ignorance and victory are impossible roommates. Say amen. amen. The Bible declares my people don't have a peace of mind. My people are full of mess going through what they're going through all because of a lack of what? Knowledge. Now how you a Christian got the Holy Ghost living in you and you depressed? I know y'all mad, but I got I to gotta, I gotta talk about this. You got God living in you. The spirit of God. You don't just have the spirit. You got joy in you. And you got joy and you talking about you depressed. Okay. I believe you depressed. But the problem is a thought came to your mind. It's a battle in your mind. And guess what? The only reason you're depressed is because you lost the battle. If you had your armor on, you couldn't be depressed. There's no way you got on armor depressed. There's no way you know what the words say and you sad. And so here you come up to the altar. Pray for me. I just got a spirit of depression. 
on me and I just need to get this off me. And so guess what? I, I really feel sad because I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to pray for you. But the demon is going to leave and hide. He got to obey me. So when I tell him to get off of you, he's going to get off of you. But he's going to wait on you to go outside. Because I can pray, but you got to do the work. I can pray, lay hands on you, pray for me. I won't go to, I, I've done the praying. But no one can tell me. But depression, I'm sorry, I might go streaming for this. Nobody, viral. Nobody can tell me that depression is normal or that depression is a chemical imbalance or depression is a problem because if it was normal, you would have been born with it. Nobody is born depressed. Chemical imbalance. You, 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 you didn't know about no chemical imbalance until they told you it was a chemical imbalance. You're not born depressed. Something happened. A trauma came. And whenever that trauma came, you focused on it. And you can't get over it because all your mind is fixated on what you've been through. That's why you can't be dominated by emotions because your emotions is nothing but a record of your past. You didn't hear what I just said. I said emotions are records of your past. Anytime you got an emotion, something. Y'all pray for my mama. Anytime you got an emotion, something in your life happened. And your mind goes back to what happened. And that's why you feel that way. I thought about it. I thought about it. There's a reason black folk act crazy in the heat. It's true. It's true. Black folk don't act the same in cold weather like they do in, when, when it get hot. Black people act crazy. You know why? Your psychosis is generated back to slavery. How we worked with the sweat of our brow and how we was oppressed as a people. And even though you forgot, they have proven that trauma can translate from generation to generation. You're depressed because somewhere something happened and you never dealt with the thought. Guess what you did? You shouted over it. But you never sat in it and dealt with it. So here I am praying, Lord, free him from depression. Break the yoke off of you. And the problem is, it's only a temporary fix. It's going to come back because you don't have enough knowledge to get it off you. And that's the problem that has happened with the church. This is what we're dealing with. The, the, the real problem, why most of you don't want to sit down and be taught, this is why. Because church which is supposed to be a place for you to get knowledge and experience change. The problem is you never got free. You have just exchanged highs. You was a crack junkie, a cigarette junkie, a sex junkie, an alcohol junkie, a gossip junkie. That's where you got your high from. And that's why when you come to church, you come in here looking for another. I know y'all don't want to hear this. Just come in here look, looking for another high. So you want to come in here, want me to come on, pastor, preach good today. So I can holler and shout and stay the same. 
So you come, you get you something, and you get high. But everything. But one thing about a high, when you're on high, you always looking for the next high. So now you need another prophecy, and now you need another message, and that message wasn't good enough. So you gotta go and you gotta go find another. I need to. Oh, I need need a preacher that's gonna make me feel good and preach to me. So you get out of one service and you gotta go get another service and get out of that service looking for another service, and you haven't even mastered the word you heard. Tell your neighbor, I will not be ignorant. Now, Jesus showed us how to apply the armor. He showed us. And I'm telling you that you got to get so much armor on you so that you stay up. You know, we sing a song, sometimes up, sometimes down. Devil is a liar. It sounds good. But let me tell you something. You, if you got this word in you, you should never be down. Hallelujah. And I mean that. I'm telling you, people who know me and have any, any opportunity to be around me, I've been through some tough stuff. But ain't nobody ever say, you've been around me, and I was despondent. I was depressed. I was defeated. Tell me something. I don't know what I'm going to do. The devil is a liar. I will bless the Lord. And see, here's the problem. I don't sympathize. I empathize. But I don't sympathize with nobody because I'm telling you, everybody in here going through something. And some people are going through stuff worse than you. But their response is better based on their knowledge. Say amen. I could be down about stuff, but I refuse to be down. You know why? Because I got on armor. I sleep in it. Hold on my CIA. I go to bed with it. I get in the shower with my armor. You want to know why I take my armor to the bathroom? Because guess when the devil will start working on your mind? In the bathroom. While you riding in your car, minding your business, the devil will shoot a father at you. I wear my armor to church. Because he'll use people in the church to shoot thoughts at you. He never told you to take your armor off, but he told you to what? Put it on. Look down your road and say, keep your armor on. And let me tell you something. If you have ever, and this is why I don't understand in most people's life. If you have ever tasted defeat. You should be adamant about not being defeated. There is no way in the world you have ever tasted what it feels like to be miserable in your thoughts. You you know what it's like to live beneath your privilege. You know what it's like to have been in a place in your life where you was bound by something. See, y'all perfect, so I'm going to go over here. Anybody over here ever been bound by something? Amen. Okay. Here comes God. He wants to bring you liberty. And he brought you liberty. But you find yourself spiraling. Word being preached now. But won't apply it. Because you become good at hearing, but you won't do nothing. So you should be adamant about about this. And I want to say that Jesus showed us this and Jesus had to use his armor because Jesus, although he was the son of God, every miracle he did on earth, he didn't do it as God. Come on, I'm going somewhere. If y'all give me 10 more minutes, we'll be done. I said every miracle that Jesus did, he didn't do it as God. He did it as a man. When Jesus walked the water, he was not walking the water as God. He walked the water as a man because that's the only way he could have been our substitute. 
The Bible says, for he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Well, what are you? The seed of who? So he came with your nature. When Jesus fed the two fish, with, when he fed the multitude with two fish and five loaves of bread, he didn't do that as God. He did that as a what? When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't do that as God. He did that as a what? And he did it as a man to show you what you can do as a Now, that's very important because if he did it as God, he couldn't have been my substitute. Everything Jesus did, he didn't do it as God. He did it as a prophet. He did it as a man. We see it in the scripture. He said a prophet is without honor. In his own country, in his own land. Guess who he was talking about? Himself. He came unto his and his own what? Received him. He was talking about himself. Everything he did as a prophet, he did it as a man. So if that's true, if he operated as a man, guess what he had to have on? Armor. He didn't have special equipment because he was a son of God. He did it as a man and he showed you what to do with your armor. Now, how many people believe Jesus came to die? Hello, hello. Did he come to die? Huh? He did for real, right? How long it take to die? It don't take no 30 years to die. Come talking about 30 years. It don't take no 30 years to die. I'm talking about 30 years. Don't take no 30 years to die. How long did it take to die? Huh? Y'all scared to say an answer? Just like that, right? Instantly, right? It don't take years to die. You can die just like that. Now, if he can die just like that, why wait? If you came to die, why don't you just come and die? Why wait 30 years to start your ministry? Why? Well, he wanted to show, he wanted to show the miracle. Okay, this is what he could have did. When he turned 30 and they said, behold, the Lamb of God was taken away the sins of the world. He could have lined up every miracle that he was ever going to do. Do it right then and then do what? Die. But he didn't. He left you a pattern. He took three and a half years to show you an example. To show you how to live and how to operate. And I believe he's showing us that if you ain't got it in three and a half years, something is wrong. Because he didn't fulfill his purpose. And it take him 200 years to did it. 30 years, he started his minute at 30 years old. 33 and a half, he's dead. He finished his assignment, giving you an example, showing you as a man the things that you can accomplish as a man. You saved 20 years and ain't raised nobody from the dead. You scared. Somebody die? I wish somebody would get up on you. You run. Somebody die, you live. They get up, God bless them. Oh. Every time I, oh my God, this thing work. Right? But say with me. He left you, somebody say, he left us an example. He did everything he did to show us how. Let's go to Luke chapter four, come on. Now, Luke chapter 4 is going to show us something. Luke chapter 4 is going to show us how Jesus used his armor. Then Jesus. Now, I want you to see something. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Ghost. 
returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the what? Being tempted for four days. Now listen, I'm showing you that Jesus used his armor and I'm showing you that Satan is doing nothing new. And the reason he's doing nothing new is because what he's doing is working. If what I'm doing working, why change it? The devil ain't got to come up with no new tricks because you're falling for the old ones. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was what? And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to be bread. Now I need to do something. I think that when we read, please hear me. I think when we read Luke chapter four, we read it the wrong way. We see Jesus in the wilderness. And then we see a devil coming up to him. I don't believe that. The way the enemy came was in his So, so it's not a physical manifestation because remember, the devil is a spirit. And the words that I speak unto you, they are spirits. Say with me. So the devil is a spirit and a spirit ain't nothing but a word. So the only thing the devil is, is a lie. Y'all missed that. I said the devil is a spirit. A spirit is a word, but the kind of word he is, is a lie. When somebody lie to you, they're speaking to you words. When the devil is going to plant something in your mind, he does it through a thought. A thought ain't nothing but a word that ain't been spoken. So when the enemy came, he came in the G Jesus. He came in Jesus' thoughts. And pay attention. Because the enemy came calculated. What you mean? He came tempting him with what he knew he wanted. He didn't come when he was strong, but he came when he was weak. And the devil knows what you're weak in. And because he knows it, that's what he's coming to you with. Tell your neighbor he's calculated. Be seated, I'm coming. Please, sit, please hear me. He came calculated. Jesus was hungry. The Bible didn't say he was thirsty. It said he was hungry. So the devil is not going to tempt him with what he's not wanting. So he came calculated. Now stay with me. Stay with me because I'm going to take y'all somewhere if you got time. He, he didn't harass him. He just planted a thought. The devil didn't keep on. Want some bread? Want some bread? Want some bread? I got some bread. Uh-uh. He just planted a thought. And if you don't get him when he plants the thought, the thought will harass you. Am I helping somebody? Anybody ever been harassed by thoughts? Yes. So here it is. He plants a thought. Don't harass him. Just plants a thought. Plants a statement. Say with me, I'm going somewhere. Yes. 
And he came to cast doubt on his relationship with God. So this is how the devil come at you. If you were saved, you wouldn't have said that. If you were saved, you wouldn't have acted like that. I know y'all always act perfect. But sometimes he'll come in your mind and say, you ain't saved. He'll come in your mind and say, you ain't got nothing. And he do it in prophet con voice. You hear me? You hear me say, hey, I ain't got, I ain't got nothing. Right? But he did it to cast doubt on his relationship with God. Now here it is. Satan knew who Jesus was. Yet, he didn't say, since you're the son of God. He said, if. That's how he gets you. You in church, know you saved, but he'll have you questioning your own salvation. Am I saved? Am I redeemed? Am I the righteousness of God? I mean, did God really save me? Now he planted a thought. All he had to do was plant a thought, something you done did wrong, or let you, or let you. Sometimes he'll plant a thought through religious preaching. You can watch the wrong preacher who's religious and is sincere. And he'll you'll turn off the you'll turn off the TV thinking you ain't saved. Because they whooped you with scriptures. Just like the devil did. The devil didn't come to Jesus with anything. He came with the Bible. But you got to know your Bible right. Huh? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Are y'all hearing me? It came to him. And Jesus operated as a man. Now, even though Jesus, even though Jesus, Mother Simon, wrote the Bible, he the one who wrote it. Jesus was the word made flesh. Yet, he did not say to the devil, I wrote the Bible. He appealed to his armor. Come on, preacher. Verse 4. He appealed to his armor. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is. Appealed to his armor. Went straight to Bible knowledge. And said, Man shall not live by what? But every word that what? See the out of the mouth of God. Now, this is what I want you to notice. The minute he said that to the devil, the rock bread debate was over. He didn't have to go into no spirit. Didn't I do that? The word did it. Verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. True. And I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Verse 8. Jesus went to his armor. Get thee behind me who? Basically talk to the hand. For it is what? You shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Shall you serve? Now, now, he's saying get thee behind me safe. But here's what I want you to get. It's not the devil walking up to him. Saying this stuff, these are thoughts. 
You walk by somebody, they don't speak to you. Thought come, she don't like you. Thought come, she saw you. Why she ain't talk to you? She saw you. Thought. Walk by somebody, they say something about you. Thought, they can't handle your anointing. You just sit your pass. If he can shoot a thought and get you to accept it and act on it, he got you in his pocket. If you are a candidate for thoughts and he knows that you think that whatever you think is true, he got you. I know I ain't crazy. I, I, know, I know what I'm thinking. I know what I saw. I'm telling you, and God showed it to me in a dream. Can I show you something real quick? Can I show you? Oh. Let, let me say something to you. I'm, I'm going to throw something out there that y'all got to get. This is going to be the most, one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in the history of the world. <laughs> Pastor Butler, you finna get happy. You finna get happy. You ready? When, when, when God, joy, appeared to Solomon in Kings, he appeared to him in a dream. Stay with me. Stay with me. The whole discourse about what you want. He did not answer that when he woke up. He answered it in his dream, which means his subconscious was so sanctified that God could trust it. God gave him everything he wanted, not in reality. God gave it to him in a dream, which means God trusted the yes in his sleep. Can I go deeper? Y'all know my time is up, right? Clap your hands for Jesus. That's enough. I didn't get to finish. My time is up. If you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can come to Jesus today. Thank you for listening. Visit our website for more information to stay connected with the ministry of Prophet Brian Karn at briancarn.com or KingdomCityChurch.com.